Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Methods to the Madness, the fans' take on animation and the companies that make them. So sit back, relax, grab a nice drink, and join the podcast. All right, Pixar. Yeah, Pixar. We talked about Disney last week, so it makes sense to bounce off of that and go to Pixar. They are a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company now, and to mm-hmm. date they've got 18 feature films and one coming out in November called Coco. 13 of those films are in the 50 highest grossing animated films of all time. So they've got a lot of winners in their lineup, and they're definitely doing a lot of things right. Mm-hmm. They generally go a lot for quality over quantity, don't they? Yeah. Um, they haven't been around quite as long. They mm-hmm. kind of became a thing in the 90s. And, yeah. uh, and since, like, since from the very beginning, they've been the forerunners of CG animation and just pushing absolute limits of what it can do with mm-hmm. Toy Story being the first feature length a completely computer generated film and in a lot of it, uh, aspects is kind of a situation similar to how Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was for Disney and that being the first fully animated feature film and mm-hmm. how no one thought it would work but it turned out to be complete smashing success yeah Toy Story did extremely well that year it was actually the highest grossing film of the year and Mm -hmm. since then the CG animation has just really taken off and it's become standard in the industry now yeah and I read this and also watched this in a video somewhere talking about Pixar where a lot of the times they're also really they're consistently really experimental with Mm -hmm. what they do in CG a lot of the times their different new movies uh, will try and incorporate some kind of new technique or new ad, new advancement in whatever they're doing. Like, for example, in Monsters Incorporated, they uh, really perfected how they do fur and scales and stuff. While in Finding Nemo, they uh, really focus hard on trying to master how to use water and make it look mm-hmm. um, real, basically. And one of the more recent ones I can think of um, uh, with Inside Out, there's a big emphasis on, like, glowing things. Like memories? Yeah, well, memories, but also the different characters. You can tell they're fuzzy things, Mm -hmm. but they're also glowy, too. Yeah. And just figuring out how that really works in relation to, like, the characters and also the environment around it, you can tell at certain points where it really reflects off, like, dust in the air. That's how focused and attention to detail they are and that kind of stuff. Yes, Pixar definitely has set the bar very high for themselves and for other animation companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's not... It, a lot of times it's not just the quality of just animation, it's also the quality of their storytelling. Is oh, definitely. really catches me and I think most of people who go to watch Pixar stuff go for. In fact, I think most people, when I ask them about Pixar films... The first thing they say isn't really the animation at all or how it looks, although they do bring that up eventually. It's usually mm-hmm. the story. Yeah, and uh, and it's not even... A lot of times, Pixar, it, it'd be very easy for them to just fall back almost entirely on like really easy sequel-type movies, but they've, they're very consistent on bringing original ideas and stuff that's like new and fresh to the table all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, okay... People argue that Inside Out is like a ripoff of um, some other movie that's, uh, oh 
what is it's it called? It's a TV show. I don't know what it's called. It's a TV show or movies. And, uh, and I can't remember off the top of my head. And we don't got the time. But anyway. Anyway, I think the reason that Pixar is able to make sequels or just the films the way they do is because they understand their audience and mm -hmm. they don't try to talk down to them or make it simple. I think um, something that a lot of animation companies do is they think, oh, well, you know, it's for children or it's for a younger audience. So it doesn't matter what kind of quality it is. People will still go see it. But I think that Pixar understands that they want to be something that is enjoyed by a lot of people for a very long time. And so they understand that they need to have consistently good quality and better stories so that they can be a lasting, lasting pieces of work rather mm -hmm. than, well, you know, kids don't care. Kids do care what they watch. And mm -hmm. so do their parents. And I think that making meaningful content is really important. Yeah. Generally, when people in different filmmaking in general uh, say to themselves like let's make a family movie a lot of times what they really mean is making like a really easy to make not panders to kids not, yeah panders to kids not entirely deep thing but what Pixar does is that they make family movies whereas in yeah there's gonna be like really cheap easy stuff that would that does banter to kids is in there like but, jokes and yeah. you know funny characters but okay Thank goodness they have not done very many, if any, fart jokes, because that's, that's, that's a low. But anyway, but in addition to the stuff for young kids, they have some surprisingly really deep and enthralling themes and stuff for the older adults, too. Mm -hmm. I think a notable one would be Toy Story. In the first film, mm -hmm. I think, when I was a kid, and a lot of other kids would take away from the film, that you should you know, try to get along with other people and you should be nice to other people. But I think if you're older, the message you'll get from it is that, yes, things will change, and sometimes you might be replaced. However, you can still move on from that and learn to become happy again, and you can grow from it as a person. Mm -hmm. And part of why I really like the sequels to Toy Story is that they focus on, they use the exact same themes, but then take it another step forward where, okay, in the first Toy Story movie, Woody, Buzz, and everybody else through the main cast learns those uh, those things, and then later on in the other movies, they give you examples of other toys who have not not only not learned those same lessons, but gone in completely opposite directions. Like Lotso uh, yeah, and Pete, Lotso and them. Stinky Pete. <laughs> Can't believe that's his name, but anyway. But in a lot of ways, they're more in, they're they're deeper villains and characters in general in a lot of ways because they reflect how the main characters could have been if mm -hmm. they had not uh, grown as people. Yeah, and bouncing off of that, even Jessie in the second one, she learns a very similar lesson that they learned mm -hmm. in the first one, but in a different way, and she learns that, you know, even if you have been rejected, because in the first movie the thing is the fear of, you know, rejection or replacement. Yeah. Jessie was replaced, and she was rejected. But she still learned how to come back from that. And so it could have easily been the same exact lesson over again, but they did change it up where it was like, hey, it's okay, and you can still learn. And then they also had Stinky Pete, who was like the opposite, where he never learned that lesson, and in the end, you know. Mm -hmm. Or... The end is quite humorous, but, you know, yeah. you can tell, like, he doesn't get a happy ending like the rest of the characters do. No, and, like, in Toy Story 3 kind of has, like, a similar extent, mm -hmm. but I don't know how it... It feels a whole lot heavier. Yeah. But if, if I like sit and think about it, it's not 
it's not it's not super different, but it it feels a whole lot deeper because mm-hmm. I think because you, of Andy and yeah, and, that, uh, yeah, and how he has to learn to you know let go of the memories and that even though they were good and you can still hold on to them forever, like things will change mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah, it's kind of a bittersweet lesson. Yeah, and a lot of the times, it a lot of people. Well, a surprising amount of people don't realize this, but Pixar also does a, a bunch of different like shorts as mm-hmm. well, and even like spinoffy type stuff of their normal stuff. They have these little like I don't know five ten minute shorts that they normally show in the theaters right before their main mm-hmm. film, but and they also have like spinoff fifteen twenty minute shorts that are kind of like sort of sequels. Yeah, they have them for like Toy Story and Cars, I know, and I think they've had a couple for other films like Brave, mm-hmm. but their shorts even have kind of significant... Well, some of them not as, some of them Not do. necessarily, some of them are more for the animation, but they do kind of maybe ask at least a question, I think, and yeah. make audiences think a little bit. Yeah, and I mean like, they're, they're little shorts. They're mm. not meant to be all that... Oh, they're not meant to Yeah, they're not meant to be all that big. I mean, like, they don't go incredibly deep. But at the same time, uh, they aren't totally meaningless. And yeah. They, they definitely have, you know, value. Yeah, they're like fun romps. Like, ah, it's Christmas with the Toy Story cast. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Which, and it was actually pretty fun. But, yeah. And the other, like, really big one for me is, like, the depth character characterization like characters in Pixar mm-hmm. and like from both the story standpoint like we were just talking about but also from a technical standpoint I it's not for those of you who listened to our last podcast I really do not like the minions mm-hmm. me because they're such a bland character design it was like there's nothing there mm-hmm. whereas if you compare it to Monsters Vir- Well, yeah, not just Monsters Inc., but, but virtually, virtually almost every Pixar movie, even from from the main cast, side characters, even like extra background characters, mm-hmm. what you get from just the silhouette of a character tells you a whole lot more about them than a little, like, they what, what kind of weird shape would you say the meanings are, like? shape. Yeah, kind yeah, of. Like a Even the legs. humans are pretty distinct. I think mm-hmm. that if you lined up all the Disney characters, I've seen like Disney silhouettes before where, you know, you can tell them apart to an extent, mm-hmm. especially the princesses because of their hair, usually, yeah. and their dresses. But um, for Pixar, it's very, very, very easy to tell mm-hmm. all of the characters apart yeah. because they're all very different shapes. Yeah, and a lot of the times, what what those shapes make is telling of like their personality or oh, like yeah. what kind of story. They're, like for example, Carl in Up. I just just read, I just saw a video about this once where he's all made up of mostly squares, which is like very, which is thematically telling of he's like he's very solid, like monotonous mm-hmm. square, <laughs> square for lack of a better word, a square personality type person, and his whole arc is throughout up is growing out of that Mm -hmm. yeah that's important that like it's a little thing but it makes a big Mm -hmm. difference is that a lot of the characters like you said they do reflect some aspect of their personality and i think that makes the storytelling even more interesting and deeper yeah and it and it's even better when they go and use those same kind of like techniques and stuff but turn them on their head like mm-hmm. a great, 
great example from Toy Story 3 is Lotso, where when you first see him, he's like made up of all... He's a toy designed to be a very lovable and huggable type character, but in the context of the movie and everything, he could be everything but. Mm-hmm. And it's... Or even the clown, who, you know, oh, yeah. is frowning. Even the clowns are supposed to be smiling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting how they are able to do that. But just the amount of level of thought and detail that goes into even the most tiniest of aspects of a Pixar film is just good. Mm-hmm. What would you say your favorite film out of their lineup is? Because I know we that's, asked that for Disney to open yeah, the episode last that's time. A, it's actually a really hard question because, okay, um, a lot of the different Pixar movies I've loved a lot as a kid, but as I've gotten older and my tastes have changed, I've liked certain ones more than others. Mm, like, I definitely understand that. I think yeah. when I was a kid, I think Nemo, Finding Nemo or Monsters, Inc. would have been my favorite, but it's mm-hmm. different now. Yeah, like when I was younger, I, I'm pretty sure it was either like to say Toy Story 2 or The mm. Incredibles that were that were my starting favorite but nowadays it's uh, pretty split for me between Up and Ratatouille mm. and especially with Ratatouille I that was when I was younger I was like I did not get it oh I didn't either I didn't enjoy it I thought it was kind of strange you know rats mm-hmm. cooking and I was like eh and like the people look kind of different they don't look like you know Disney characters but they, all the people kind of pretty vaguely and just conventional and now growing up watching it more I really enjoy the atmosphere the story Mm -hmm. and the music everything about it just gets better every time I watch it yeah and especially the different writing stuff and different themes for me like that movie is a lot of it is about like pursuing your passion despite of your background Mm -hmm. type thing is like that's it in a nutshell it's yeah, that's yeah. such an important thing for people to understand, and it's something mm-hmm. that kids can get through, oh, like, even a, like an animal, or I can cook, but the way that they approach it for adults is really meaningful, too, especially mm-hmm. with that last monologue. Oh, right? yeah, the monologue from the film, not the film critic. The food critic. <laughs> the food critic. Yeah. They're so similar words. But anyway, it's, that's, that one scene has become one of my favorite monologues because it's so telling because in a sense it's kind of where the character isn't just speaking to it isn't just speaking to or talking about other characters in the movie it's like he's talking to the audience yeah it's how applicable can resonate with no matter what field they work in and again the fact that every time i watch that movie i feel like it gets better i think that's the sign of a really really great film Mm -hmm. and that you've really done a lot of things right it's Years and years later, audiences can watch it again and take away something new from it. Oh, yeah. that's Especially growing up with it, because I think it came out mm-hmm. in 2008, 7, 8, around then. I know I was definitely uh, about in right. elementary school, so I was probably around 10 years old at the time. I'm almost 20 now, and I can still enjoy that and get new things out of it. It came out in 2007, so it's been exactly yes. 10 years. Wow. 10-year anniversary. <laughs> so I think that's really special, and I don't think that every animation studio has that capability. Well, I mean, like, there have been some really good stuff like that. Like, I know when we probably get to DreamWorks, we're going to talk about this, but with um, uh, the 
Prince of Egypt. Oh, they, yeah, definitely. One of the things that I found really interesting about how they portray the story of Moses is that they, uh, they don't spend too much time on it, but they spend a decent amount of time on how uh, character Moses is basically going against the Egyptian royal family who practically raised him for a lot of the stuff. And a lot, the way they handle that is is surprisingly striking mm-hmm, in a similar way. Yeah, there's definitely hits here and there in other studios, but I think overall Pixar mm-hmm. has one of the most consistently meaningful lineups. Yeah. Not perfect, because there are a few duds here and there. Yeah. Cars, well, cars, cars, cars too. too. Okay, to be fair, um, even with their more bomby type movies like Cars 2, like... There's still there's, things there's, to enjoy about yeah, it, and they still to look enjoy very good. It. Like, so. sure, there's no way it holds up to some of their other, like, actually good movies, but, I mean, like, they're not bad. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of there. But what I, what I feel is that really helps them, like, focus on that direction of story is that I read out that they, they got something like 22 different fundamental rules of mm-hmm. storytelling that virtually all their... Uh, movies adhere to and one that really got me the most I think it was Rule 14 that talks about why does this where when you're writing the story ask yourself the question why does this story need to be made and what purpose does it serve where um man how do I explain this where I think other studios maybe just tell stories mm-hmm. for the sake of telling stories or retelling uh, yeah. stories. Mm-hmm. That's something that's really popular right now is to retell and just have lots and lots and lots of sequels. And I think that why you tell a story and the message you have is really important. And I mean, I'm taking a video class and that's something we've talked about a lot. Why do you want to tell this? Mm-hmm. And that's something that's important. Again, bringing back to that thing with kids, like just because you're telling the story to kids doesn't make the reason that you're telling it any less important. Now I remember what I was going to say, where oftentimes the, the purpose of like the Pixar stories that they do or the what purpose it serves and stuff is that they're wanting to tell a universal uh, lesson that's applicable. Yeah, it's applicable to the kids, but it's applicable to people even in like going into their 80s and stuff. Mm-hmm. And part of it's part of why I really think that they're so successful is because they focus on trying to get across these messages and themes that are universal in application outside of like the narrative of the story. Like that is be, definitely so important. Yeah, um, a lot of these films are about things that you know, cars or fish or monsters or toys, and we may not be any of those things, but we can still relate to them and understand mm-hmm. them and take something away from them because. The values and the lessons that the characters learn are things that anybody can relate to. And I think that is really what makes Pixar such a great studio and really sets them apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's it on Pixar. I mean, like, so what do do you want to do next week, Grace? Uh, I was thinking Studio Ghibli. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, you can, it's really easy to compare Ghibli and Pixar as Mm -hmm. well because have like similar directions but they could not be more different in style of animation oh definitely but anyway it's been yeah a good week and mm-hmm. uh, we will see you next week for Studio Ghibli so yeah. 
Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and like. Stay tuned for next week's episode because we're sure to have some more. Also share it with people that you know that might be interested in animation. Friends, family, enemies, whoever else. Uh, Anyway, we'll see you next week. Bye!